0: hi and welcome to a podcast from hope springs church coventry for more please find us on facebook at hope springs church or on twitter we're at hope springs cop thank you and enjoy yeah heavenly father thank you uh, that you're with us that you're for us that you're in us that you're through us uh, that you're to us We thank you for your your presence here with us today by your spirit. We thank you that we can come and praise you, but we thank you, Father, that you uh, come to us, that that this whole season we're about to move into, the the season of Advent, um, it's all about you coming to us, to be with us because you care for us, because you love us, because you are concerned for us, uh, because you know what's best for us. Hmm. So, Father, we just commit uh, this time to you now, uh, the, the reading of the word, the articulation of Something about the word, Father, we pray that by your Holy Spirit that you sift through uh, the garbage, through the junk, and then plant a seed that will be fruitful in our lives, in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. <laughs> um, so, I know it's the week before Advent officially starts, but we are starting our Advent series, and it's all about Jesus is home. Um, and You can tell that in two ways, which I kind of find quite cool, like Jesus is home is in his available, he's present, he's in the house, Mm -hmm. you know, Jesus is in the house, we have dance music (laughs) or something, (laughs) Uh, but also Jesus is home, Jesus is where we find our place of belonging and so we're going to look at that um, over the next couple of weeks as part of our Advent series, so um, that is why I'm wearing a Christmas jumper, because we are talking about Christmas, we're We're talking about uh, the Incarnation. Uh, we're not talking about Santa or reindeers, so it's a bit deceiving. Um, but I've got a clip uh, to kick us off. So, what's in it? Gucci's, watercress and pancetta. Let's <laughs> <Is that> food? <forward? laughs> Everything's different here. I want to go home. I, I miss my family. I missed the coffee house. I can't even remember what Phoebe looks like about it. it's been three days. Okay, i just, just a little homesick. Okay, we just try to relax and just, just enjoy yourself. You're different here, too. You're mean in England. Hey, best man number two, Joey Tribbiani. <laughs> now I'm not good with the jokes like Chandler here, but. <laughs> I just want to say congratulations to the happy couple. I first met Ross in this coffee house back home. (laughs) Home. (laughs) New York City. Everybody knows my name. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, I love you guys. But not as much as I love America. Please, now. Are you going home? I was hoping to get to know you better. I'm not going anywhere, sweetheart. <laughs> okay, so um, <clears throat> yeah, there we go. Um, we can kind of all relate to this feeling, I think, that that sense of uh homesickness of not being at home of being conscious. That you are not at home. Sometimes we uh, can kind of get confused about what we mean by this in terms of homesickness. Oftentimes we mean we're not at the location of home. We feel uh, dislocated. But we know that the location itself isn't the sense of home. Because, for example, one of the things that I've been, uh, I feel like I've been learning from God is about when, when, when we share the word, when we, when we talk. We talk as a community. We don't have somebody at the front talking that's dislocated from the community as if I have something to tell you. We're learning as a community. So the sense of homesickness not being about the location, if we take the situation uh, for Beth and and Matt and Theo and, and Noah, Matt, Theo and Noah were at home. But there was a very real sense that that was not home while Beth was in hospital. There was a sense of unease. There was a sense of discomfort. There was, a, there was a cognitive sense that this is our house and three quarters of us are here, but because Beth was not there, there was a sense of unease. So it's not just the location. And that might make us think, oh, well, home is all about the relationships. Home is just about the, lo- the, the, the relationships that we have. But we know that that's not true either. So, for example, when um, you go on holiday... Or if you just have a long day out. Uh, So I think back to when uh, Pete and Lizzie and the kids, they went to that trip in London. and, and, And everything that could go wrong pretty much went wrong. It was really stressful. So even though all of the relationships were there, they were still wanting to get back to their location. They were still wanting to get back to familiar environments where everything was familiar, or the cheers, the soundtrack, where everybody knows your name. They wanted to get back to that familiarity. So it's not about the location, and it's not about the relationships. And we know sometimes that even within our own selves, even if everything around us is all okay, we know that we can still feel that sense of alienation, that sense of dislocation. Um, So, for example, with Nick, with chronic illness... She can be in our house, she can be in the right location, she can have me and the girls and whoever else around her, but there's still a sense of alienation within her own body. There's a sense of dis-ease within her, even though the location is correct and everything is in its right place. Even though the relationships are there in loving communication, even within her own body, there's that sense of dis-ease, dislocation. There's a disconnection. And even within society, even within our kind of bigger environment. So it's not just about the location, but it's not not about the location. It's not just about the relationships that we have with other people as a community or within our own families. But it's not not about the relationships. Mm. And even when all of those things are there, it's not not about our physical well-being or our mental state. But on a broader spectrum, we know what it feels like. Um, Remember back to things like uh, the pandemic or the riots that happened around Black Lives Matter. We can be in our home with our loved ones in full health, and yet we still feel a sense of unease on a larger scale. We feel dislocated. So we can all appreciate... That that nebulous, almost un, you can't pin it down quite feeling of homesickness, and there's something that tells us that we can feel all of these things, even though everything around us can be right except for one thing. That there's something existential about this feeling of dislocation, alienation, <coughs> of disease, of disconnection. There's something about that we can only find when all of these different things, all of these different aspects that exist on all different levels of how we live, that we know that at some point they have to be connected. Because if we feel dis-ease, if we feel dislocation, we know that, there's, that there must be a sense that we can feel finally at home. And I want to suggest to you that this kind of um, homesickness points that Jesus is home, that he's the only one that can put all things back together again. Mm-hmm. So when we feel this homesickness, this existential feeling, it's not just about, oh, I've been away for a long day and I just want to get home to my kids. It's not just that feeling of, um, oh, someone's missing from my household today and I need them back and then everything's going to be okay. It points to a deeper longing inside of all of us the fact that this is ubiquitous across humanity we can sense this dislocation this alienation so then what actually is home because it's more than the location that we exist in the place where we abide it's more than even the relationships around us and when i was preparing this that came as quite a surprise to me in terms of I lean very heavily on um, a sort of a philosophy, I guess you'd say, of, of relationships of what makes being. Mm. But actually, it's even more than that. It's not even just your own self, because you can feel disconnected with you within your own existence. And it's more than the context you find yourself in. So what is home? What are we saying home is in this context? <clears throat> We're all familiar with the word shalom. We've heard enough sermons or quippy soundbites about, you know, shalom is not peace, just peace. It's not just the absence of conflict. It's, the, it's nothing missing, nothing broken. But the problem is, is we've become so familiar with nothing missing, nothing broken, that we can say it glibly without any gravitas to it at all, without any weight, without any substance. We can, it rolls off the tongue without the brain engaging fully in what that really, really looks like. And I want to lean into this idea of shalom. And this is going to um, push into loads of other words that we use abstractly within Christendom. This pushes into like, how the kingdom comes in our life. And when we consider um, the whole idea of Advent, not Santa Claus and gift giving, but the eruption of Christ revealing God on this planet as a living human being. The coming of the, the the word of God to us, to abide with us. I love that John's Gospel leans so heavily on this idea of abiding, of tabernacling, of making his home with us and in us and through us and to us and for us so when we consider shalom there's a great video by the bible project it's about five minutes long watch it it is just absolute gold like the way that they visualize and capture the sense of shalom the richness of this very loaded word we use language in christendom all the time that we don't appreciate what it means when we say words like atonement or or righteousness or love we use them so flippantly that sometimes we need to pause and recalculate what we're saying with our mouths but sometimes it is good just to be still and know that he is God sometimes it is good to let our words be few before him to appreciate the gravitas and weightiness and fullness of what this word is so shalom is nothing missing nothing broken but what it really means is is that there's a whole complex web of things that come together in complete wholeness so when we think about homesickness it's not quite about the location where you are you know that comfy chair that you have in your house that you like to sit on where your books are right next to you i could be talking about myself <laughs> But it's not not that. But it's also your relationships. But it's not just the relationships. It's not just your environment or your bodily sense of health and well-being. It's all of these things. Shalom is every aspect of our existence. All in that perfect equilibrium and balance. Just to kind of illustrate this. The word home in the Greek is oikos. Which is a fun word to say. Oikos. But you might be more familiar with it in its modern usage, eco, economy, the oikos nomos, the rule of the household, the arrangement of a household so that everything functions properly. And fortunately, we have hijacked the word economy to mean fiscal economy, to be all about the relationship of money to things. But economy existed before money existed. It was the arrangement of the household, making sure that every part of the house Mm. functioned properly. Or ecosystem. If you've ever watched any of the magnificent David Attenborough programs, you will appreciate how carefully balanced ecosystems are. If any one point of the ecosystem is out of balance, everything gets thrown out of whack. Mm. If one particular bug is not there... Then it has impact on everything else. And we know this because if Nick is poorly in her body, that doesn't just impact Nick, Mm -hmm. massively impact Nick, but it impacts me. Mm -hmm. It impacts the well-being of our children. It impacts the feel of the location of the home. But more than that, it impacts this community. Mm -hmm. For example, she's not here today. So there's one less person, but it's not just one less person because that means that the kids aren't Mm here. So that's other people, and that means that it has impact on Pete, isn't it? And it spirals out because oikos is the balance, the shalom, the coming together of a complex network of things that it's very hard to specify how one piece interacts with another, but you know when it's out of whack. Like if we were to talk to Theo about how he felt when Beth... Was in hospital, even though he could go see her, even though she could um, FaceTime him and tell tell him that she loved him and that she was doing all right. The sense of absence, the lack of shalom, the dis ease, the dislocation, yeah. the feeling that something is intrinsically out of whack, is there it's that homesickness? <clears throat> so all of these things. All of these words kind of are evoked by this <coughs> idea of having everything put back together again. Perfectly. So what is home is the careful balance of all of these things in their right position at the right time. And we can think of peace, shalom, I've kind of leaned on that word already. But reconciliation. How do these things get put into line again? where well, they become reconciled to each other. They become atoned, at-wand. With each other. We could talk about healing, because if we're talking about bodily dis ease, the lack of ease in ourselves, naturally we we come to ideas around healing and wholeness. How do we bring this wholeness to other people? If I have a sense of completeness, how do I bring that to other people? Because fundamentally, if I'm at peace, and other people aren't, that at some level, I cannot ever be at rest. So I need to offer that sense of wholeness to other people, and that's hospitality. There's a sense of completeness that can only happen when everybody's complete. Community, that's exactly what we lean into when we think of that. If everybody is a part of something, it's community. There's connection, togetherness. There's an ease of rest that comes when we're at home. And of course, it isn't just some philosophical idea or some metaphysical idea. It has a perfect root. It has a location. It's not just some nebulous idea of a wonderful society. A utopian future where we could all just get along. History tells us that will never happen unless something from outside of history comes and impacts it. And the reason why we're talking about it today as part of our Advent series is because the only one that could bring peace, that could reconcile all things, is the one that erupted into history to start that process. We will never achieve it. The Greeks tried it with their brilliant philosophy, but the Greek empire crumbled. Because it didn't hold water. They could have it in the abstraction of their minds and their thinking and their writing. But they could never execute it in their society. The Romans tried it in a different way. And their society crumbled. We try it right now. With all our money, our power, our wealth. Our mastery over the entirety of the planet. but We have still not managed to bend the world to our will perfectly enough that everybody feels at home. There is only one person. There is only one sat on the throne that can bring all of these strands together in perfect synthesis. And that one is Jesus Christ. And that is why it's part of our Advent season. Jesus is the only one that can cure that homesickness. Jesus is the only one in whom we find home. There's this wonderful bit that I read on Lectio 365. I don't know if any of you guys use it. I think I've banged on about it enough in chats and whatever. But it starts with Psalm 90. And the first line is, God, you are our home. (coughs) The Israelites, in all their dislocation, in all their disease, in all their disconnection from the land, from other nations, they knew that they could only find wholeness and completeness in him. I chose an orange kind of slide template because it felt warm, like home, but I couldn't not have a Christmassy thing. Because this is exactly what we're saying about Christmas. Jesus has become home. Jesus has come home and become home. Jesus is home in both senses that you could say that phrase. For unto us, a child has been born for us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders and he is named wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father the prince of peace when we have the proclamation of the angels in the gospel of Luke it says it's good news peace on earth and goodwill to all men (coughs) and oh my goodness do we know that we need that do we know that we're not living in the perfection of that right now we are living in the tension, we know it because you know, because of all of the things that we experience, we know things are missing, we know there is dislocation, we know there is dis-ease, we know there is disconnection. You know, I am so very aware of it in my particular situation right now. Even though like people aren't in my direct home, my house, I can sense the dis ease. Because there's a certain gravity that each person in our life has that draws us. And when that person is not well, you are not fundamentally well. Mm. We need Jesus. We need the Prince of Peace. The one who has all authority. The one who sits upon the throne. Mm. In... um. <coughs> John 14 Jesus says this do not let your hearts be troubled believe in God believe also in me in my father's house his oikia his home there are many dwelling places and we can call those mansions rooms whatever translation you choose to 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 use but it's In my father's oikia, there are many spaces for you to dwell, to abide, to stay, to feel at ease, to feel safe, to be put back together again. In my father's oikia, there are many places for you to feel that shalom. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? In the Father's oikia, Jesus has prepared a place for each one of us where we can be put back together again. Not just in my individual self, in my individual piety. Because if it was just about me feeling put back together again, I think Jesus is wrong. Because there's something fundamental about my connection to you, Mm. my connection to my environment, my connection to my location, to the time of the world that I exist in. If those things aren't put back together again, then I can never truly be at peace. Mm. We've made the the modern faith. (laughs) We've made the modern faith so much in our own image of modernism, the individual being able to overcome through their own reason, which we've inherited from the 1900s through to now, that we've made faith speak only to the individual. And we miss out on the inherent connection between all of us, the community, the sense of well-being and belonging that we all require. So if one part of the body suffers, every part of the body suffers with it. And if one part of the body rejoices, all of the body rejoices because we are fundamentally connected in Christ. He goes on to say, and I'll go to prepare a place for you and I will come again and will take you there my- myself so that where I am, you may also be. Home is not some abstract place in heaven, quote-unquote, when we die. Sometimes, as Christians, we can get so caught up with this utopian vision. The heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, yeah, I've got a pad in that place and it's going to be awesome. It's got a pool and a hot tub and a three-car garage or whatever. And we can let our fantasy about what heaven is eclipse That actually, it's nothing to do with all of that stuff. It's to do purely and solely with Jesus Christ. Home, the place that Jesus has prepared for us, is to be where he is. It's not about gold-lined streets. It's not about having a perfect body or whatever else we deceive ourselves about. The fantasy that we have about what it means to be in heaven when we die. It's all about being where Jesus is, which means that it's not just post mortem, because Jesus is here now. I just want to give some examples of this idea playing out, and then we'll kind of finish with a couple of uh, scriptures just to take away and kind of think about. So one of we've um, probably spoke about this before. One of my favourite. Portions of scripture is this little bit in Mark 5. It's in the three synoptics, but I like the way that Mark talks about it. You can't really see the picture, but it's the woman with the issue of blood and Jairus' daughter. I love this story for so many reasons, not just um, for theological and biblical reasons, but because it's magnificent storytelling. Mm. I'm going to read it out and just offer some comments and then I'll kind of wind up. So Jesus has just uh, healed the Gerasenean demoniac. When Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered round him. And so he stayed by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up. And on seeing him, fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, my little daughter. Can you just feel how J- Jairus feels about his daughter? This is a man Who's an authority? Who's a respected person in the community? Remember, synagogue isn't like church, which is parochial to our society these days. Synagogue was the center of society, and this was a leader of the synagogue. And yet he is undone because his daughter isn't well. She's at home, but that is not home because something is missing and something is broken. My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her. We haven't quite made up our mind about you, Jesus, whether you're orthodox enough or not. But you are the only one right now that can do anything about this. I am in the middle of a crowd, my dignified self, and I'm in the dirt before you, pleading with you to do something because I'm fundamentally aware that something is missing in my life right now. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. And he went off with him and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. A woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years. The fact that the duration of this illness is recorded Mm -hmm. is spectacular. 12 years. I had COVID for the second time. And it took me two weeks, and that felt like forever. Twelve years. And had endured much at the hands of many physicians. And spent all that she had, and was not helped at all. But had rather grown worse. This is why I love this version in the Gospel of Mark. Because he really hits home. You can almost feel that. You know, we all know someone... (coughs) That has suffered. We all know somebody that has suffered and been exploited in their suffering. And how absolutely devastating that is. This woman has had this illness for 12 years. She has been exploited, prodded, probed by physicians. And it has cost her all her money. The health system has exploited her and taken her money and left her in a worse case. You can feel it. She had not been helped at all, but had rather grown worse. In her body, she was not at home. and Bearing in mind that the purity culture, this woman isn't just ill. Mm -hmm. She's disconnected fundamentally from the life of society. Even in the most uh, generous reading of Jewish culture in the First Temple period. Mm -hmm. With an issue of blood, she cannot go to synagogue. Mm -hmm. Her and Jarius. They have probably never spoken. She is fundamentally disconnected from the society that she lives in. She is a parochial figure. The fact that she is in the middle of a crowd is scandalous. We all know this. We've heard this before. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, there is a slither of hope that I might get well, I am desperate, it has been 12 years that I have been shut off from society, That nobody has spent time with me, not only am I poorly, I am lonely, yeah. not only am I lonely, but I have no chance in society for well being, immediately the flow of her blood was dried up, how visceral is that? Mm. She felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. You see, and as Christians, as good, uh, kind of charismatic, Pentecostal-flavoured Christians, praise Jesus, the miracle has come. But I should be wearing a white suit. And that's it. We love it. that Jesus healed the woman. It was spectacular. It was a phenomenon. That occurred. And yes, more miracles. More things that are spectacular. More things that draw attention to the power of jesus but let's not miss what happens next she is healed and that's great praise god amen healing in every situation everything is better when people are healed right yeah. i'm not dismissing that at all but let's put it in context she is not just homesick in her body she is disconnected fundamentally and at disease with the entirety of her existence it's not just the flow of blood that is the problem for this lady She's an outcast of society. Immediately, Jesus perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth and turned around in the middle with his public platform. I thought this was quite intimidating. I thought it sounds like Jesus is really grumpy, right? Who touches <laughs> my garments? Yeah. He knows. Yeah. He calls this lady out in public. And his disciples said to him, are you kidding, Jesus? Seriously, look. The crowd is pressing in on you and you are asking, who touched me? I love the disciples. (laughs) And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him. I can't imagine the sense of anguish. I'm healed, but now I'm in trouble. Mm. And he said to her in front of everybody, daughter. When was this last time this woman, known as the woman with the issue of blood, was called daughter? Daughter is a word for family. Daughter is a word of home. Daughter is a word that puts you in your right place in the best possible way. On his public platform, with all the fanfare that's going around with Jesus at the moment daughter your faith your faith has made you well he didn't say it's my power which it was but in a nation of faith of belief of covenant in God he's walking on the coattails of Jairus back to Jairus's house he calls out her faith he affirms something good in her That has never been affirmed in her. Mm. That has made you well. Go in peace. Go in shalom. Go in that wholeness. And be healed of your affliction. The blood has dried up. But she's still being healed. She's still being put back together. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. One step of that was the healing of her physical ailment. The second step was putting her in her right place, daughter. The third step is doing it publicly in front of the leader of the synagogue. Mm. She is now clean and able to participate. He hasn't just healed her body, which is brilliant. But if we stop there, if we stop with the fantastic, the phenomena, we miss the deeper elements. Because if she's healed, bless her, wonderful, you can live a good life. But he's repatriated her into a family, into a household. He's said peace, not just in a flimsy, vacuous way. Mm. He's put her back into society publicly. She's going to have notoriety now. You're not the woman with the issue of blood. You're the one that Jesus called daughter. You are the healed one. Can we get around you? Mm. Can you tell us that story again, please? He's gone from an outcast to one of the central points of society. While he was still speaking, they came from the house of the single dog official, saying, "Your daughter has died." Why trouble the teacher anymore? But Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, so Jairus has stood near him. He's just done the deal with with the lady. Jairus has stood there and just been told his daughter's dead. My little daughter has died. How devastating! Jesus overhears it. Jesus wasn't listening to, but he overhears it. Do not be afraid any longer, only believe. And he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the synagogue official. And he saw the commotion of people weeping loudly. This isn't just anybody in society. This This is one of the most important people in that location. So there are many people with vested interest in this man and his family. Why make a commotion of weep? The child has not died, but is asleep. <clears throat> they began to laugh at him. And we're not like talking mocking. It's like, I am so emotionally overwrought right now. I have no <laughs> idea what to do. <clears throat> so they laugh. It's like, what is foolishness? In the middle of this man's grief, what are you saying? Don't, don't say these cruel things to him. Your daughter's asleep. We're not stupid. We're not backwards. We know the difference between somebody asleep and somebody dead. Don't mock this man in his grief, Jesus. He took along the child's father and mother and his own companions and entered the room where the child was. Taking that by the hand, he said, Talitha cum, which means little girl. I love that he keeps calling it little girl. Mm -hmm. I say to you, Gail thought, immediately the girl got up and began to walk, for she was 12 years old. What a curious thing to throw in there. I'll leave you to ponder the number 12. Mm -hmm. And immediately they were completely astounded. And he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this. And he said that something should be given to her to eat. I love the fact that the story culminates in communion. Have a meal. Practical, grounded wisdom within the household. Eat. Jesus is home. We go from being dislocated, disconnected and diseased to finding a space. Daughter. Your faith has made you well. A space has been carved out for that lady in society now where she can exist and be. She's now connected to the life of a thriving society. You can now go back to the synagogue. Jarius was right here when it happened. He knows you are clean. The illness is eased. Things have been put back together because Jesus. <clears throat> and Jesus invites us. That's not just for Jairus and his daughter and the lady in the town. It's for us. <coughs> Jesus is home. And to be fair, you you all know this. I've not said anything new to you. You've probably heard exactly the same reading of Mark a dozen times. I think Luke actually shared on it one time way back. <coughs> so I'm just going to leave you with some scriptures. Now I've chosen a picture of a puzzle of a cat. Uh, the cat's just for, for Lydia. <laughs> Thank you. but the puzzle because that's what Jesus is doing that's what shalom is mm. putting things back together mm. we're all missing a few pieces here and there and it could be that we're missing the piece or it could be that somebody we deeply care about mm. is missing a piece mm. but we know the absence we know the dislocation, the dis- the disconnection but Jesus is putting us back together in all sorts of magnificent ways not just on the level of the issue of blood is dried up But daughter Your faith has made you well So I'm just going to give you some scriptures I'm not really going to offer too much commentary I say that I'm not going to but I probably will Ephesians 2 But now Christ Jesus who you once were far off Have been brought near by the blood of Christ For he himself Doesn't give us peace Which he does But he is our peace Our shalom Our nothing missing Broken up complexity all in perfect equilibrium the ecosystem of our existence is in right balance who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in the ordinances so to create in himself one man from the two Okay, so he's talking obviously here about Gentile believers and Jewish believers but he's talking about bringing these things together This atonement, this at-oneness, not with him, just him, but with everybody else. Thus, making peace, he forges peace. He makes it, he creates it, he (coughs) puts it in place, he puts it together. He makes peace happen. That he might reconcile, what an amazing word, reconcile them both to God. Not only does he make peace Amongst us as people in society and community with all of the things that that means. He makes peace fundamentally with God, the source of our life and well-being. In one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace. Notice all the aspects of what happens with peace. He is our peace. He makes peace. He speaks peace. To you who are once far off and those who are near, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Whether you feel disconnected, dislocated, diseased, he is peace, he makes peace, he speaks peace. No matter where you feel you're out on the spectrum, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, no longer alienated, disconnected, dislocated, diseased, but fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household. Again, this keeps coming up, the oik- oikios of God. Mm. Colossians, the Son is the image of the invisible God. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas, that He has become the image of the invisible God. Firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together Mm. not just your bodily health not just your position in society not just your location your family all things Mm. hold together when you feel pulled apart so Lydia last night I have no idea what you must have been feeling one of your kids has gone missing when you feel your heart rent and torn in different places you were in this space and you're supposed to be asleep, but you are not at home. Even though you're at home, you're not at home. Even though Luke is with you and Mario is with you, you're not at home because part of your heart is over there, out there. Mm. All things are held together. He holds those things. Mm. This part of your heart is not fully disconnected from you because Jesus holds this bit and this bit. Mm. And he is able to do this with it and mm. put it back together again. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have supremacy. <clears throat> For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things. <clears throat> Whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace, making peace mm. through his blood. Shed on the cross, you were once alienated, disconnected, dislocated from God, and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through the death, present you holy in His sight without blemish, free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, establishing Him, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Okay, I feel like we're getting the gist that this isn't just a nice sermon topic, but something that runs deep mm-hmm. in our fundamental theology of who God is and what Jesus accomplished. And then finally, I kind of couldn't finish without doing 2 Corinthians 5. For Christ's love compels us. And I just love that phrase. Christ's love compels us. It's like he loves us so much and so well, so abundantly, that we can't help ourselves. Mm. Because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. And he has died for all, that those who should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view Oh lady you've got an issue of blood you can't have mm. we regard no one from a worldly point of view therefore if anyone is in Christ new creation has come the old has gone and the new is here all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ Christ is home not our theology mm. not heaven with gold plated hot tubs or whatever we think it's going to be Jesus And gave us this ministry of reconciliation. You see, when we talk about Jesus' home, we can't finish with that. Because otherwise we just get all snuggly with Jesus. And everything's hunky-dory. But we miss the bigger point. That everything isn't at home. Because somebody is missing something somewhere. Jesus has given this ministry of reconciliation. Of putting back together that which is broken. That includes ourselves. That includes each other. We must always be cognizant. The parts of the body that suffer, we suffer with it. We don't glibly go on and forget or move along. We remember. Likewise, when one part of the body rejoices, mm-hmm. we all rejoice with it. And we sense this as a community, amazingly, with Neo. What a bonkers journey. Mm-hmm. Whoever thought that on the final day of this escapade, the main prayer concern would be we need somebody that can that's a sign language person. Mm-hmm. The major prayer topic? We've got, we need one. Oh, we've got three. <laughs> Bonkers. We knew what it was to suffer with Stephen and Susie. We also knew what it was to rejoice with them. And we rejoice in all sorts of various ways, not least of which is cuddling Neo. <laughs> he was reconciling the to himself in Christ and not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us this message, this practice of reconciling all things, of bringing shalom, of putting people that are disconnected back in connection. And it's all about Jesus. So Heavenly Father, thank you that through Christ you invite us home. You make us home. And you make us people that call other people home, that put back together this fragmented world and all the weird and wonderful ways all the bonkers ways that you ask us to do that that father we would not forget those who suffer Mm -hmm. father we don't like suffering we don't feel comfortable with suffering but that's probably the thing that suffering is isn't it so father for all of those who are homesick for eden all of those who are broken in their bodies broken in their relationships broken in their spaces we all know this in, in larger or smaller ways, it's still dis-ease. Yeah. So, Father, put us back together, hold us together in Christ, and help us to be preachers and makers of peace in Christ. In Jesus' name, yeah. amen. Yeah.